A Weekend with Jason Dacey Replay from Money FM 89.3. Death and taxes are two things that we can't avoid. So what are Singapore tax implications on working in ASEAN with the creation of the ASEAN Economic Community? The movement of skilled labour and workers throughout the region has become more and more prolific. This is especially important given that the ASEAN region is one of the fastest growing economic areas of the world. I'd like to welcome back Boon Tan, the Managing Director of CST. Tax Advisors here in Singapore. Boone, good to see you again. Good to see you too, Jason. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So can you give us the overview about this? Because a lot of people out there are posted to other countries within ASEAN. It's getting more and more common with uh, ASEAN growing. Absolutely. So it's a very, as you said, it's a very strong growing economy. And often with Singapore geographically being where it is and Changi being one of the best airports in the world, it's very easy for for professionals and workers to, to move around uh, as part of their work. But one aspect often a lot of people don't think about is is tax. And whilst Singapore has a system of source-based taxation, which generally means Singapore will, uh, IRS will only collect tax on income sourced in Singapore, people often forget that People then sorry, f- think that, hey, if I'm not working in Singapore, you, therefore you can't tax my income. Mm. But that's not necessarily true because there's things to do with, you know, where you ordinarily reside, you know, who, who's employing you? Are you being paid by a Singaporean company? And is, is the fact that you're moving around the region, is that actually just part of your job? Right, right. So what are some of the factors that we need to keep in mind when we try and work out what kind of tax we should be paying for working in different ASEAN nations? Yeah, so generally speaking, um, if you're required to travel a lot for your role, but your your base is in Singapore, so mm. your home, your, your desk, where you keep your stationery, for yes. example, is in Singapore, you, you're going to be taxed on on that income in Singapore, even if you're spending a month in another country, for example, as part of your work. So that makes sense. it's the connectivity with, with Singapore. So that's the first element. The second, second element and one that is quite important to remember is often sometimes you're posted over into another country for a significant period of time. Yes. So if you think of a – use an example of a startup company, mm. um, we're going to expand into another – we're going to expand into Myanmar, for example, and and Jason, you know, everything's good here. You understand what we're doing. We want to post you there for eight months, to, first eight months to get the office going, things like that. Now, you're still employed by the Singapore office, but you're actually going to be living in and working mm. in Myanmar for more than six months. Mm. And, that, and that should raise some bells in terms of potentially having to pay tax in Myanmar and Singapore. Okay, so in that situation, me and Mao are going to argue that, well, Jason, you, you're a tax resident here. You live and work here. Mm. Um, but you're going to say, well, no, my wife and kids and my home is still in Singapore. And Singapore are going to say, yes, that's right, Jason, mm. you, you're Singaporean. <laughs> so both sides are going to argue for tax. So in that situation, you've got to look at what's called the double tax agreements between the two countries. Mm-hmm. So Singapore has signed a substantial amount of double tax agreements with all the Asian countries. Mm. And the purpose of a double tax agreement is to outline the rules, so to speak, of and uh, uh, of how do we tax things. So it's not just individuals, there's business, there's dividends, but in terms of individuals working over, around the region, mm. there are guidelines in terms of 
if this happens, then Singapore has the right to tax you only. If this happens, Myanmar has the right to tax you only. And, and those documents and those agreements are outlined in the agreements. We're speaking to Boon Tan, the Managing Director at uh, CST Tax Advisors here in Singapore, about the income tax that we need to pay when we're working in other ASEAN nations. Well, here's an example, Boon. As you know, I used to work for Astro in Malaysia, and I was a Singapore permanent resident before that. And I was posted there for, uh, I mean, they basically employed me to work there as a vice president of production for them. And it wasn't very good for me tax-wise because the tax rate is much yeah, higher absolutely. in uh, Malaysia. So I had to suck it up. It's almost 30%, isn't it? Yeah, uh, correct. For that kind of rate. But then after about uh, two years, I moved my family back to Singapore Um as part of me being a Singapore permanent resident, my family all Singapore permanent residents. So then I claimed a different kind of tax status. Correct. Was that fair enough? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the, if you look at the double tax agreements and, and using Malaysia and Singapore as an example, one of the articles, which are the sections, talks about tax residency. And, and why is that important? Tax residency is important because Generally, for an individual, your tax resident status will dictate what jurisdiction you need to pay tax in. Mm -hmm. So that's always the first starting point. So in the articles between Singapore and Malaysia, it actually says you're a resident of Singapore if you have a permanent place that you can call home in Singapore, not Malaysia. And if you have a permanent place in both places, which is quite common, common yes. because, you know, if I'm working in Malaysia and come back on the weekends, I'm going to have two places to live. Yes. Right? You then, they, they factor that tiebreaker in into another level, which is where are your family, financial, economic effects? Right. So where do you have a closer tie to? Ah. Okay? So if your family is in Singapore, then you're going to say, well, my family, my economic life, all of that is in Singapore, and therefore, under the double tax agreement, Malaysia, I'm not a resident mm. of Malaysia, I'm mm. a resident of Singapore, mm -hmm. okay? And therefore, uh, you know, you can then go to IRS and say, look, I'm a resident, but I need to prove officially that I'm a resident, here's why I'm a resident, and they'll give you a certificate that you can then go back to Malaysia and say, I'm a resident, and so therefore income I earn here may or may not be taxable here in Singapore, in, here in Malaysia rather, mm -hmm. because of the double tax agreement. Right, right. For me, it was a bit of a battle because I was working for a major media company in Malaysia and they wanted to still tax me at source mm, for mm. my income. So it was a battle. It took about uh, two years for them to finally accept that my I was a Singapore <laughs> tax resident. Yeah. But eventually they did. But even then, they would still take 10% out, which I thought was a bit uh, bit much. Yeah, well, that's that's... That's generally going to happen if you extend your period or work for an extended period in that country. So, again, so uh, another article in the agreement after residency is what's called uh, dependent services. So it means if I'm an employee working in another country, how, how's my salary going to get taxed? So I'm a Singapore resident working in Malaysia Okay, mm. how but how's that going to get taxed? Well, the double tax agreement would generally say, well, if you're here for if you work in Malaysia for more than 183 days, so yep. more than half a year yep. across, so it doesn't need to be consecutive, just in aggregate, mm. Malaysia has the right to tax your income. Right. Okay, right. and and if that happens, and you're also a resident of Singapore, then generally speaking, Singapore will recognize that. Okay, 
you've paid tax in Malaysia, so I'll give you a credit for that tax in Singapore. So you're not double tax. So double tax agreements are generally uh, are, are specifically there to avoid double taxation. Okay, right, so right. so okay, I pay. I I need to pay tax in Malaysia because I've worked more than 183 days. Fine. I need to pay tax in Singapore because I'm a tax resident of Singapore. But Singapore will go, okay, well, we're not going to hit you twice. Mm. We'll recognise and give you a credit for what you've paid in Malaysia. Ah, so that right. 10% would have come off whatever your Correct. Singaporean tax amount tax tax payable would be. So it's always good to be uh, talking to your accountant about this and pointing these things out, looking at the number of days you've spent in respective countries. Yeah, because if you plan it, again, we often every week we come in and talk about planning for these things. You can mm. plan yeah. to be taxed in one jurisdiction over another, right? Yeah. And, and it means that, okay, whilst I get a credit in Singapore, what if I just want to not have that hassle of lodging two tax returns. I'll mm. just lodge one tax return yep. in Malaysia. What do I need to do? How do I structure my, my life? So, you know, for example, things to think about are, do I need to be seconded? Okay. Can mm. I stop being an employee of Singapore? And if the company has a, a, a subsidiary in Malaysia or some other Asian nation, yep. can I go into that payroll? Okay. Is there an opportunity for me to not necessarily keep my home in Singapore in the sense that I start renting it out or can mm. I do something different to show that I'm breaking that tie and so that when I go through the double tax agreement, okay, I ordinarily reside in this country. I don't have a home in the other country. Uh, okay, I've got bank accounts in both countries. Or my family's with me, that sort of arrangement so that – you can set things up you in a very favourable yeah, way for yourself. Correct, mm. correct. Because often a lot of startups that I've – so I've got a number of clients who are employed by a Singapore startup and then they get posted to yes. to another country. So mm. so one that – a real-life case is uh, one of the large American multinationals, startups, employed the individual, my client here in Singapore, um, and then sent him to Myanmar. To work, and mm-hmm. he actually ended up living in Myanmar because right. of the nature of the work. Similar to the example I gave, he yeah. was actually in in charge of setting up the business in Myanmar. Yes. So he actually rented a property. He didn't have anything in Malaysia, mm. yeah, yeah, sorry, in anything in Singapore. Yep. But the fact that he was paid by a Singapore company, and his salary was paid by a Singapore company, and his employment contract actually said your office is based in Singapore, mm. means that IRS will go, will want to tax that income. Yeah. And they'll say that, well, you only worked in Myanmar because that was incidental to your employment here With in Singapore. Company. Yeah. So then it becomes a exercise of, well, okay, IRS, we got to look at the double tax agreement. Mm. And that's where that comes into play. Right. Right. Now, you can so you can still kind of, inverted commas, save yourself. Yes. But it's, you know, but that's after the fact. And then it, the onus comes on you to actually prove why you shouldn't be taxed in Singapore. Got it. Got okay. it. Speaking to Buntan, the Managing Director of uh, CST Tax Advisors here in Singapore, income tax when working in other ASEAN nations. Of course, Boon's mum was from Singapore. His dad was from Malaysia, and he holds an Australia passport. So he's very well uh, uh, placed to talk about this. I mean, I've got an example for you, 
Boone, as you know, I do some project work in India mm-hmm. uh, as a TV presenter and working in the media. And I'm wondering if that tax I'm making from Indian companies should be applied to my Singapore tax return or should it be applied to something else? Yeah, so it depends on how that's really structured in terms of that arrangement. So in Singapore, as I said, it's source-based taxation. And for individuals, if your income isn't sourced in Singapore, so it's foreign income, you're not going to be taxed on it. So potentially, you physically going out to India doing all your work in India, being paid by an Indian company. And providing a certificate of tax residence. And providing a certificate of tax residence. Which is Singapore. Which is Singapore. Potentially, you know, if if it ticks all the right boxes, that income technically is not going to be taxable in Singapore because it's foreign income to Mm. an individual. But if they're paying to a Singapore company, is it different? It's Yes, it would be different. Mm. If it's a Singapore company, because companies don't have that, exemption for foreign income. Mm. So if the money comes into the, is being paid to a Singapore company and the money is remitted into a Singapore company, then it's going to be taxable in the Singapore company's accounts. Of course, there are more deductions that you can claim for a company, of course. Yes, there is. Travel expenses to get to India, the accommodation. That's absolutely, yep. Getting back to ASEAN, are there any danger countries that people should be mindful of that don't have that agreement uh, with Singapore on tax? Well, thankfully, uh, most of them do. Hong Kong, for example, has a limited agreement, Mm -hmm. uh, which means that it's not as comprehensive and there are some areas that, that need to be mindful of. Hong Kong itself is source-based taxation system like Singapore. So often they'll they'll argue that, well, you're working here, so I'm going to tax you on whatever income you earn here. And also very low income tax, like like Singapore. Correct, correct. So there there are a number of countries, uh, you know, Hong Kong is an example of a country that doesn't have a full comprehensive agreement, but most Asian countries do. Mm. and, And therefore you are in a position where you can plan plan for the move and make sure that you, you take the right steps before you go. Final word about uh, what to do when uh, about, you're about to travel to another ASEAN country and what uh, you know, to talk to your accountant about. So, talk, so very important to think about, well, how long am I going for? Okay, What kind of package am I being given? Is it possible for me to, if I have family, can the family come with me? And do I want to take my family with me? Okay, that's, that's pretty important. Um, and then working out, well, as I said, can I jump off the Singapore payroll and go onto another payroll in another co- in the country where I'm going to work? And therefore, and is that actually going to be beneficial for me from a tax perspective as well? Sometimes it's unavoidable. So in the case of um, you, for example, going to, w- going to Malaysia, Malaysia, you know, sometimes, okay, it is what it is. They want you tax in that rate, big system, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm. But there are ways to manage it. But it's more about, again, being aware of it before you step into it and not having a situation where, okay, I finished my stint. That was nice working in Vietnam for eight months, got to travel, learned the culture, et cetera. And then suddenly you get a letter from from the office in Vietnam saying, oh, you haven't filed your tax return kind of thing. That, that's where Don't get blindsided. Yeah, that's, that's it's, so it's more about not being blindsided um. and going, okay, I'm prepared for this. So therefore, you know, if the tax is higher mm. and I'm not getting deduction, it's not being withheld at source, yeah. you know, I've got to be mindful that, okay, I've got to keep some money aside so that when I do lodge the return in that other jurisdiction, I've got the cash to pay for it. 
Be prepared. That's the word from Boontan, Managing Director at uh, CST Tax Advisors right here in Singapore. Of course, CST can help you out with any uh, move to an ASEAN country. Once again, great advice. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Jason.